When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Album for the Day with John E. and Jay. As we fire up the second year of Album for the Day, we do a little pivot. Mm. We've been doing a different album every day uh, for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's 360 <laughs> something of those for you if you want to go check those out. Yeah. Um, we're going to be focusing still on albums. But in the context of the people who are on the albums and the contributors who made the albums what they were. And I think that's really what breaks down the whole music scene of what we're doing here. It's just it really gets the backstory of who the people are creating the music that we've grown to love over the years. We found a bunch of new people that we get to talk about, which is exciting for me. People I didn't even know who were on some of the most fantastic albums ever played. And you know the music, and you've heard it, and... Now it's time to get to know the artists. Yeah. And today, Album for the Day gets into another big person behind the albums. Mm-hmm. You might say it'll change your perspective. It certainly changed the music industry. Phil Spector. Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to call him Harvey once, mm. but... Harvey. I can see why you went with Phil. Harvey Phillip. I can see why you went with the Phillip part. Mm-hmm. Harvey mm-hmm. doesn't really get, open a lot of doors, I wouldn't say. Mm. Now, you got to think about the time. Did you ever see that Jimmy Stewart movie about the imaginary rabbit, oh, Harvey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. we're all still thinking about Harvey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see? Yeah, He's yeah. named after an imaginary rabbit in a German star. Yeah. Well, he certainly had imaginary hair on top of that head. He did. <laughs> Certainly piqued my imagination. Yeah, he's one of those characters that you see and you're just like, whoa, who's that dude? Like, what's up? What's going on over there? Because he always had these crazy... He must be and, somebody. Yeah. That's awfully ostentatious. Yes, it's 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 wild. Um, but Phil Spector was the guy who basically... De- he developed the wall of sound, which was basically just crank it and know? we've already done you know Hal Blaine and Carol Kay and they mm-hmm. were part of yep. his situation there mm-hmm. like the Wrecking Crew was the essentially his big part of it his big band part of it. And, and they're the people that got together and he was like okay we need this and we need this and like the wall of sound is what they would do is they would like double like Carol Kay would play the bass on two different loops and then they would play it to where you almost couldn't distinguish between the two different bass parts. Or he'd do it with guitars. Or he would do it with uh, a piano, a harpsichord, and a keyboard. But they'd be exactly in tune. And when you played it, you'd play it at the exact same rate, exact same everything. So then it's almost undistinguishable as what instrument it is. Mm-hmm. And then he would turn it up and get just this sound the wall of sound out of it and and this really was the predecessor to what we have 
what we discussed in the in the Rick Rubin thing, and mm-hmm. you know, also with some of the albums about the loudness wars, I would definitely say that Phil Spector uh, discovered oh. that, oh. took advantage of that, and basically said, "Hold my beer." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and think that's no, 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 loud? No, no. Let, Let me it, show you no, loud. No, no, Rick Rubin said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> Rick Rubin was like, Phil Spector, you think that's wall of sound? He was like, hold my beer. Rick Rubin was like, give you Phil, you know there's a volume knob over here, right? <laughs> you, you know we can turn it up louder. You know that fader actually just turns the yeah. volume up yes, by but, itself. But mine goes to 11. <laughs> <laughs> These hits go to 11. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you could just make really good music. Yeah, but these go to eleven. So, so Rick or Rick Rubin, I'm still my brain's still there. Uh, Phil Spector, um, he yeah he he started working really young. Um, he did started early production work in like the 1950s. Um, his uh, his. Is Be My Baby like the big... I mean, that's where he met his wife. So I got to say, that's the turning point of his career. His second wife. Oh. Yeah. He got married two years before he met Ronnie. Oh. And he wrote Be My Baby as a mm. seduction technique. For Ronnie. For Ronnie. Well, and there you go. worked. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Be My Baby by the Ronettes, um, obviously. Um, Ronnie Spector. Um and I thought I thought that was his first marriage. That's uh, well, there you go. Um, but but I still think that that's a big big turning point in his career because I mean after that it's Ike and Tina Turner, it's uh, you know the Righteous Brothers. Yeah, it, it's every soul album. By the way, his Christmas record is maybe the best Christmas a Christmas record. gift for you. I believe it's called it from is. 1963. Yeah. And oh it, man. It may be the best Christmas album. So, like James Brown Christmas is pretty, is up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one is it's because it has multiple artists. So it kind of goes through this R and B. Well, and it's another Christmas one thing. of those things where oh, so I don't need to get 14 artists to do 14 songs. I've got enough artists mm-hmm. that are awesome. Yeah. I'll just have them do more than one. Yeah. I think one of my favorites was uh, Marshmallow World. Mm-hmm. Because that's not a song that you hear that often. Yeah. But it's a cool song. It makes me think of Christmas, like mm-hmm. every single part of it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I think of when I see a big field of snow. But he, speaking of fields of snow, he did 1971 John Lennon's Imagine. Hmm. <laughs> Imagine all the marshmallows. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, it's that thing of when he did, when he worked with the B and John Lennon was the Phil Spector guy. Um, we talked about this earlier where Paul McCartney loved, you know, um, Sir George Martin and John Lennon loved Phil Spector. And so the two had a difference and then let it be was kind of overdone by Phil Spector. Um, they kind of had to come in and fix it up a little bit. Um, but, you know, it kind of comes to that thing of what does it, is it what Beatle do you like more? Or is it, you know, are you, are you a fan of Let It Be? Um, or do you think which it's version? Mm, the original. Um, <clears throat> here's my take on Let It Be. I think Let It Be is a, it's a great piece of art. It's a great work, 
what I don't think it is is a Beatles album. I can I can see that. I see that I see it just take away what makes the Beatles the Beatles, and I think what was released at the time. And you know, you've got to think about how the the tumult that was going on in the group at the time, mm-hmm. like they weren't really communicating with each other anymore. They were splintering their visions. All of that stuff's going on. And I think the the fact that they released it after Abbey Road, right? It was mm-hmm. literally the last yep. long play that they released. I think everybody was just like, Oh, they were serious. This is it. Yeah. I think everybody was like, This isn't a Beatles record at all. Yeah. And we we don't have the Beatles anymore. Yeah. I feel that they still had the sound writing quality. They just didn't have the musical quality on that album. I feel like the songs stand up, but they were so just like, you know, it was like they were told to do the wrong things and that the mix was bad and that the, I just felt like it was way just overdone because he was trying, I think Phil Spector was trying to be George Martin rather than just be Phil Spector, you know? Problem is, Phil Spector is not George Martin. Exactly. And like... Like I mentioned, their visions were so obviously different yeah. that even trying to, you know, put your Phil spin on George Martin yeah. won't even work because the ideas just aren't really congruent. Yeah. But I mean, even after the Beatles and after the Let It Be, like in 1971, George Harrison had him work for the concert for Bangladesh, um, which if you've not heard that live album... Go check that out because that's actually a really well done uh, record. And honestly, I think I think the um, success of the Woodstock album mm-hmm. um, kind of let people know that a full festival style kind of a lineup mm-hmm. on a recording can work. Yeah, and there was a lot of collaboration going on that oh. time. Um, you know, this is the same kind of time frame that like Derek and the Dominoes, you know, happened and Delaney and Bonnie and friends, mm-hmm. you know, all of these like collaborative situations occurred and yeah, he was there for that. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the seventies kind of keep rolling through. Um, he, he recorded the, uh, the Ramones, um, which, you know, I would say that album was a total mistake. Yeah, end of the century. It has, it has its moments, but but also we did skip kind of a big, big piece of his life. Um, in 1977, uh, he had a near fatal car accident. Um, that 74 was it 74? I thought it was 77. 74. 74. He has this near fatal car accident that he had to have like. 300 stitches in his face, 400 stitches in the back of his head. Basically, he was almost pronounced dead on the scene, and a police officer found a slight pulse and was like, oh, holy crap, this dude's alive. Got him to a hospital. He survived. And they say that's the reason that he always wore these crazy wigs and stuff was to hide scars. Even though this dude was bald in high school, like... And we already know we your are, weird dog. We, we it are, just adds yeah, to the we legend. We saw your toupees 20 years ago, man. Mm-hmm. Like, don't say that this is the reason. I guess it's a reason. That, I mean, he had a traumatic brain injury. Let's be clear. Like, he flew through a windshield and was 
really messed up. Like, the guy, you know, whatever. He had his... That was a big issue. Um, it, it led to a lot of reclusion, a lot of, like, you know, he didn't want people to, to be around people anymore and that kind of thing. But he kept working with bands. And after that, um, you know, he worked with, like, Leonard Cohen um, on uh, Death of a Ladies' Man. Um, you know, he... You know, but he did into the century in 1979 after a traumatic brain injury is what I was getting at, and so you know, let's just let it, let's just let that go. Let's let it go. Gonna give that one a pass. Giving it a pass. All right. And hey, the Ramones, like, if you know about the Ramones, the Ramones one of the greatest punk bands of all time, and this was like they kind of had a stab at being like a kind of a pop record. You know, it wasn't, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't like the Ramones. It's the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing like the Beatles with Let It Be. It was just, it wasn't quite a Beatles record. It wasn't quite a Ramones record. You know what I mean? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, but, that, but that's, a, that's an interesting point because, you know, when you, when you listen to Wildflowers, do you say that's a Rick Rubin record? You know what I mean? You still uh, Rick, say it's a Tom Petty record. Oh, it's definitely a Tom Petty record. Right. You're not going to say, oh, I definitely hear I, Rick Rubin. I, I feel that Rick Rubin just happened to be the dude that pressed record on that record. I feel like he cultivated an environment okay, yeah, that, that was... And the Ramones, what the Ramones needed was disorder and chaos to create albums of disorder and chaos. You know, he didn't, they don't need uh, organized, you know, wall of sound stuff. They, well, maybe they do need wall of sound stuff, but they don't need, they just need, they need aggressive. They don't need to, you know, what Danny says and baby, I love you. It's great to have songs like that in your catalog, but like, yell at me why. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. But anyways, well, um, I mean, Mark, Marky Ramone, he said, um, uh, that uh, that it really worked his production style it really worked on slower songs but on the harder stuff it just didn't work as well because he's trying to tell them look he's trying to tell the Ramones alright go from E flat minor to blah and it's just like dude we're the Ramones we, we only we only play in three keys like we're, we're, we created the power chord that's what we did you know like let's let's stick with let's stick to our guns you know, speaking of which, um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, uh, there were rumors that Phil Spector had threatened some of the Ramones with a gun during the sessions. Yes. Dee Dee claimed that he once pulled a gun on him when he tried to leave a session. Drummer Marky said guns were there, but he had a license to carry. He never held, held us hostage. We could have left at any time. That sounds like that a victim. Sounds, that sounds like a victim. That sounds card. like a victim. No, we could have left, man. Anytime, anytime. Right? Right, Bill? <laughs> I could have told the priest I don't want to anytime. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Exactly. Oh, boy. 
But so yeah, so then he basically went into seclusion. I guess he was mainly inactive through the eighties, nineties, and two thousands. Well, I wouldn't say he was inactive in the two thousands. Well, he was active in other things in the two thousands. That's a fact. And uh, what we're getting at is that uh, you know this murder conviction uh, that led to Phil being in prison for the rest of his life, dying in prison. Yeah. On February 3rd of 2003, he shot actress Lana Clarkson in the mouth. Yeah, I didn't want to. It just sounds so gross. Well, the reason that's important is because how do you accidentally shoot somebody in the mouth? And he told Esquire magazine that it was an accidental suicide. And and that she kissed the gun. She kissed the gun. So, you know, all I can think of is you're doing some sort of really deviant yeah. kind of yeah. behavior. Um, you know, people, normal people don't role play with loaded weapons yeah, and things like that. So yeah, that should be a lesson. Even Kids. if that was the case, yeah. you shouldn't have been doing it to begin with. Yeah. So, um, he definitely, um, was given, I mean, he got a mistrial, uh, in the first trial, and it was ten to two for conviction. Which, uh, yeah, uh, I I still don't see how two people were against that. But that's just my two cents, and they they were there, and I wasn't. They had a reasonable doubt, yeah, and that's all it takes, and that's yep. what they're asking of you. Yep. And um, so he got a retrial, and um, the jury returned a guilty verdict in um, April of 2009 Mm -hmm. he was found guilty of murder in the second degree and additionally of using a firearm in the commission of a crime Mm -hmm. and he got 19 years to life in the california state prison system he appealed three times unsuccessfully but the interesting thing about it is he did die of apparently complications from covid while in prison Um, He was taken into custody in May of 2009. Uh, His 19 years to life, he actually would have been eligible for parole two years from now in 2024. Wow. And, um, yeah, couldn't make it that long. No, no. Uh, But, you know, I I don't feel it's right to strictly celebrate the art and not deal with the fact that, you know, all of the people, you know, in that he was married to his children, his family members, all of that kind of stuff. Like they all say he was extremely manipulative and controlling. Ronnie Spector said that, uh, it came home to the house one night on Christmas and there were twin boys playing in the yard And he goes, Merry Christmas. And he had adopted twin boys and not talked about it. It's just like, surprise. Yeah. Here's two more children for us. (laughs) Look at that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Now our house can really have a wall of sound. Exactly. Yes. And Stevie Van Zandt of the E Street Band said that he was a genius, but irredeemably conflicted. That is 
Very well said. And I, I don't know that I've ever known him to be quite the wordsmith like that, but I do think that yeah. that and, sums it up well. Yeah. And, you know, of all the people that he worked with, um, I mean, of the people that he influenced and worked with, I mean, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, you know, uh, you know, all, these people that just were the legends still today. Um, and it just, you know, it, 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 it sucks that somebody would, uh, you know, of that big of an influence would go down that path. But here we are. Well, it's kind of the thing, man, where, um, and you know, I, I read this article from the LA times and they were talking about how there were these aspects of the man that weren't really very palatable, Mm -hmm. but because of who he was, it was tolerated. Mm -hmm. And these stories just kept going on and on and on. And, you know, Paul McCartney uh, obviously said, I hate what you did to my work so much, I'm going to redo it. Yeah. And, you know, talked about that whole scenario of being in the in the um, studio with him and mm-hmm. all of that. And I think that what it got down to was we didn't look at society as a whole, didn't look at what was being produced mm-hmm. um, at the time. We were too in it. Mm-hmm to see it mm-hmm. and when oh, yeah. you really look at and then he kissed me by the crystals it says in the song <laughs> he hit me and it felt like a kiss mm-hmm. it's in the song yeah well that's and that was 1962 before all of this stuff mm-hmm. so i mean well he had number one records in three consecutive de- decades the 50s 60s and 70s so in the fifties, he was already a number one producer. So in sixty-two, I mean, he's he already has the credibility. That's why it's you know you can get away with that kind of stuff. Well, you shouldn't be able to get away with it, but that's a different era, I guess we'll call it. It was, it was, and that's one of the things that they pointed out in the article was, you know, we've all just we've just shoved this under the rug every single time something yeah. comes up because of who he is. That's time now yeah. we're in a different time and yeah. place and era. Pull the rug out. And yeah. Show the man for who he is. Yeah, pull the ripcord. Pull the Yeah, yeah. Well, uh today's producer, uh, even though uh there's some dark times, still had some great records, uh Phil Spector. Um why don't you go ahead and give us a follow, subscribe wherever you listen to us, and uh be sure to follow us on Twitter at album the number four of the day. If you got any requests for people you'd like to hear about, uh, shoot us an email to albumfortheday at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you when we see you. Just like Ronnie says, be my little baby, (laughs) baby my darling. Nice. After starting the podcast, you can search for the album, use the three dots, and hit add to queue. Now the album will start as soon as the episode ends. Woohoo!